You're tuned in to Talking Respect with Hannah Banani. This is episode 20 with former weightlifter and inspirational speaker, Amna Al-Haddad. Khalil Gibran once said, Out of suffering have emerged the strongest souls. The most massive characters are seared with scars. Joining us today is Amna Al-Haddad, a leading inspirational figure, an expert on women's sport and a mental health advocate from the Middle East. A self-made sports pioneer, her work has been recognised by prominent leaders, international media and global sports brands such as Nike and Reebok. Amna is also known for breaking the glass ceiling as the first Olympic weightlifter from the UAE, who contributed to the country's Rio 2016 Olympics qualification. Amna is also the first Arab woman to compete in CrossFit Asia regionals in 2012, whilst being a full-time journalist. She is often invited as keynote speakers and panellists to discuss sports, mental health and women empowerment. She's a contributing author in the recently launched Youth Aim book called The Possibilities Project. In today's podcast, Amna shares with us her incredible journey into the world of weightlifting. She courageously speaks out about her past physical and mental health and what triggered her to transition her life for the better. So if you want to hear insights from a mental health advocate, an inspirational female who has competed in major sporting events, or like me, want to understand more about weightlifting, then tune in to episode 20 with Amna Al-Haddad. Thank you so much for coming on, Amna. It's so wonderful to have you. Thank you so much, Hannah, for having me and for the awesome introduction. I am very excited to be with you today. Fantastic. It's so good to have you. Um, so you were a journalist before you entered the world of sport. Could you share with us your journey and how did you transition from journalism to competing in sports? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, that's a great question. So basically what happened is that um, I used to work as a full-time journalist for a local newspaper. And uh, around the same time, I was exposed to sports for the first time at a, a global level. Uh, what I mean by that is that that's when I actually was competing and training for the CrossFit Asia Regionals. And throughout that uh, period, it was in uh, April 2011, 2012, that's when I got into um, uh, actual sports. Before that, I was just going to the gym naturally, just going, you know, working on my regular strength. And uh, around that time, when I qualified as part of a team to compete in CrossFit Asia Regionals in 2012, I realized that we don't have a lot of Arab female athletes who are competing at that level or feel comfortable to compete at that level or even see this kind of sport as an option. And that led me to come back and decide to actually quit my job to pursue sports full time. And I had zero, zero, zero plans or plan A, plan. there was no plan A, plan B or anything. I just went back home and you know, I wanted to quit my job to pursue sports full time. That's remarkable. And can you share, please, what was your relationship with fitness as a young child and how did your perception of sports evolve? My relationship with sports is that I never had the option um, growing up believing that 
sports is something I can do. So I was never necessarily um, an active uh, young athlete in any way. So I didn't have any sports that I was actively doing or part of. Um, if anything, we were just like swimming, skating. So I had a quite active childhood, but not in the sense where sports was encouraged in school or if it or it was something that was um, created as an option for us with programs. So I never understood what it means to be an athlete. And that's when I say that I'm a late bloomer or I became an athlete by accident is because it just happened as part of my path of choosing to create change in my own life. It was not something I necessarily actively pursued. So that's the relationship that I have with um, sports and fitness. So you, you've achieved some really remarkable titles and accomplishments. You worked extremely hard night and day to arrive there. What has been your experience of being the first Arab woman in CrossFit or the first hijabi weightlifter in the UAE? Um, you know, um, when we see these amazing stories in the media about people's accomplishments, we don't realize the kind of pain they went through to actually reach that level. And that is something that I um, really want to focus on in this podcast because, you know, people see the glamour, they see the titles and the achievements and uh, people assume that sometimes these happen, you know, out of luck or out of, uh, you know, circumstances or just, you know, someone is super talented and that's how it happens. But in reality, um, you know, the drive force before, uh, you know, um, for all of that was just me dealing with my own pain and my own mental health and depression. And that led me to create change in my own life. So what people see as the accomplishment was actually uh, was born through pain. It was not born through um, encouragement. It was not born through um, uh, uh, opportunity. I had to create all of that to make it my own reality as part of my journey. Uh, it was never something I even cared to achieve in terms of titles. I never knew I'm going to be the first this or the first that. And then again, the media took took the, took the narrative. They took my story and my journey and they made it their own uh, story that fits their agenda, fits the current uh, uh, environment of the media or the politics or whatever it is to kind of push those kind of stories forward. And I have decided that I want to take that back and focus on what my journey actually is to me. And it was purely healing my pain. It was nothing beyond that, uh, not the titles, not even the numbers I lifted. It was never about those things. It was about healing my own pain. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, it's, it's so important to speak freely you know and and be able to share your story openly without it being adjusted or adapted in any way so this is what this podcast is about today so you competed in 2012 in in korea you've you know you competed in some major sporting events how did you prepare your mind each time and your body for those sporting events um, here's the funny thing is um, I had no idea what to expect at those events, especially starting off with like five months training. No one trains for five months and goes and competes. That is just not something you hear of um, as, as athletes. It's not how you prepare yourself. You know, athletes are usually 
um, uh, they're, you know, when they're young, they take them at the age of three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, whatever it is, which whatever sport, and they train their bodies to like, you know, um, be able to do gymnastics, have good coordination, have the right mobility, flexibility, technique, and then they add the performance aspect to it. So I had to learn all of that in a short period of time, and at the same time, prepare myself to compete at a big stage. So I'm the kind of person who just throws myself at things if I believe in it. So if I have conviction in what I'm doing, I won't let any obstacle or any thought or any um, um, uh, you know, a bump on the road affect whether I do something or not. So I didn't necessarily prepare for it. I just did not care so much about the outcome other than have the experience. That's what that what led me to actually do more and stay on that path for long because if I just had that expectation, if I want to uh, have the best performance at each event, it would have never happened in the sense that uh, would allow, would have allowed me to continue on this path because I would have had that expectation. But once you remove that feeling of expectation to, uh, to the outcome of what you're doing, it actually leaves room for growth. I agree. And it seems like, you know, you, you had a lot of challenges that you had faced when you started this journey. Um, but were there any other challenges more specifically that you encountered and how did you how did you deal with them? Yeah, there were a lot of challenges pursuing this path um, on so many different levels. You know, there were the physical challenges. Um, my body was not prepared to do Olympic sports or train at that level. So, you know, some injuries happened as a result of that. Um, we did not have the right infrastructure in the UAE at the time to help me with my training, uh, get the right coaching. So it was a challenge to find someone who was able to build um, me as an athlete to be able to actually compete and qualify at that level. Um, additionally, of course, um, as a woman doing a masculine sport in the Middle East is unheard of it's looked down upon so finding things like sponsors was a, a was a very big challenge to be able to find someone who wants to support me and support the journey and support um, what I stand for so there were a lot of different levels uh, and challenges um, that I had to go through in that period of time when I was uh, a competitive athlete um, but I believe that um, that just really helped with my character and it's exactly um, how I'm contributing and adding value right now to the world by sharing my experiences so that people don't do the same mistake or um, do things better in the near future. Thank you for sharing that. You know, um, many women who are listening into this today, some of them may be of the view that weightlifting is not good for, for the female body, for the ovaries or for, the, for causing back injuries or simply that it's not very appealing to do that. Could you please share your expert knowledge and perspective of weightlifting and how to start if we, we are a beginner? Absolutely. So the first thing um, anyone needs to know about weightlifting is that, or even strength training, it's not about the muscles and how big they are. You can be very strong, but could also be very lean. So muscle mass actually help us burn a lot more fat than let's say doing cardio, for example, alone. So that was a big actual um, motivator for me to pursue weightlifting is because I wanted to um, release some fat, uh, some fat and I wanted to focus on getting strong. So my body hasn't changed so much in the sense I look bulky. So it depends 
depends on how you eat as well. What's your what's your nutrition like? So Olympic sport uh, as a sport is very focused on the central nervous system. So it's not about uh, it's not about how big your muscles are. If you Google, um, you know, a female weightlifter uh, under 48 kilos, you would see her lifting double her body weight, and it's amazing. It's not because she needs to have a lot of muscle mass. Um, in terms of size to be able to lift that weight. It's more about training your nervous system. So that's one point. The other point is if you decide to start any activity, whether it's uh, weightlifting or any sport, always focus on technique. Forget the numbers, forget the distance, forget uh, what looks amazing on screen and focus on what feels amazing in your body when you're doing it and it feels right. Um, That is one big mistake I... um, had as an athlete is that I learned the, the, the wrong technique from the beginning and uh, it took me a while to find the right coach who was able to teach me the proper technique to be able to um, lift uh, heavier weights to lift weights safer because if you're not lifting correctly that's where injuries come and that's when you could hurt your back or any other organ in your body so it's more about um well, number one, uh, understanding that, uh, you know, any sport, the results on its, on the body, it depends on how you train and how you eat. And if you start any uh, new sport or activity, definitely focus on t- technique. That's the main, main um, thing that I want uh, anyone to uh, really focus on when they want to pursue a new activity. So you gave a TED Talk in 2011 called Emotional Salad. Um, In that one, you speak very openly about obesity, diabetes, and you even spoke about your own personal story in respect of your weight in the past. So would you like to share this story with our listeners? Uh, Sure. Um, It's really funny that we are talking about this today because uh, TEDx uh, 2011 actually happened in April of uh, exactly 10 years ago. I don't remember the exact date, but it'd be funny if I look it up. It might actually be around the same time. Wow, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it is really, uh, really, really interesting timing. And uh, it was, um, TEDx was actually my first ever uh, public event where I spoke in front of a thousand people. And I was absolutely terrified um, of doing that because I've never done that before and TEDx is a big platform as you know and uh, I was sharing a very personal journey around the time where I was um, just blogging anonymously so I realized that there is power to my words there is power to my voice and the world needed to hear it the world needed to hear uh, my personal journey to realize that they also have that ability to change their own life, ability to create, um, you know, the future that they want for themselves. And um, uh, I used to think it's really funny, you know, um, our perception of ourselves uh, is really sometimes very false. So I used to think I was very overweight at the time. I used to be maybe five kilos overweight and nothing crazy. And but of course, like sometimes five kilos overweight could put you um, on a scale that you're you know obese or whatever. And this is what I realized in the last few years is that there's all of these different standards and measures that measure who we are. But 
they don't really know us. You know, the scale will give me a number, but it doesn't understand what this number means. I understand what that number means. So, you know, if anybody who goes out there and listen to my TEDx talk that I did 10 years ago, I can assure you my perception has changed so much since then. And, uh, you know, um, you know, the uh, battling with like mental health and depression, that is something we've seen a lot of us go through, especially last year. And we've, many of us probably got, gone through it throughout, you know, life. It's just part of uh, being human and the human experience. And, uh, you know, I realized that when we want to uh, create change in our life, we have to decide and take action. And that is the main point of that talk is that, you know, um, if we want to create change in our life, all we have to do is just take a, make a decision and take action immediately afterwards. And that exactly why I am here today speaking to you, you know, because I did that one moment in my life 10 years ago, a little bit more than that. It was 2009 when I started my actual journey. But that just resonates with the fact, you know, we don't have to worry too much about the future because our decisions today create the future uh, for us in the uh, later on without us having to even think about it or create it or actively seek it. So um, I, I, I feel very blessed that I did that, you know, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, just to change my own uh, self, to, ch to change my mental health. And that led me to create everything that you've seen um, in the media today, so to speak. That's brilliant. And here you are 10 years later. <laughs> being yes. able to inspire people through this podcast yes thank you thank you <laughs> can I ask what is your perspective of fitness and health in the UAE uh, my perspective of fitness and health um, in the UAE is that it's still very uh, much in its infancy and it's still growing um, slowly but surely uh, it's a very uh, uh, the culture here is very fitness focused which is not the same as being sport focused. So they're very two different um, approaches. They're very two different um, uh, paths that uh, we're looking into. Um, we don't have a lot of, you know, um, athletes and Emirati athletes who are aiming to compete or train for the Olympics. We have a very small number of people who are doing that. And this is a reflection that sport is still young in the country and it needs to, uh, you know, um, First, we need to, you know, get people involved in fitness, get them to understand what fitness is. And as part of that journey, that's how they can, you know, um, grow into uh, choosing a sport that suits them. And a lot of efforts are being done in schools now um, where there's been programs uh, created for students to being be, being exposed to different uh, activities and sports and swimming and um, whatever have you. And uh, it's still something that we need to um, push uh, because we don't have that many athletes coming from the country, but that would be something we can see an improvement and within the next five, 10 years, hopefully. And could you share some um, of the work that you've done in respect of mental health and how you've contributed to this area? Yes, absolutely. Um, so in 2016, I was uh, awarded the Rosalind Carter Fellowship for Mental Health. And that was a very prestigious award, uh, which basically is a journalism um, project that I worked on to create, um, you know, articles and stories through speaking or through writing 
to shed awareness on uh, mental health in the country, my own journey as well, because um, I feel that, especially in the Middle East, it resonates um, with uh, it resonates more with people if you're talking about your own journey because it's real, it's human, it's uh, very raw, um, and it's also very vulnerable as well. And I believe that resonates with the community here more than let's say um, a psychologist speaking about different types of illnesses and explaining what this looks like. So combining these two together, um, I believe is uh, creating change forward um, around the topic of mental health in the Arab world. And uh, so I actively give talks, um, I write. So I am an advocate, I am not uh, a therapist in any way. So I share my journey um, and through my journey, I inspire people to take um, charge of their own life and uh, you know um, create hope that they can achieve uh, a better um, uh, mindset, a better future for themselves by taking small steps every single day. Absolutely. You know, it's the small steps that contribute towards the bigger picture. Um, I'm not, you know, I would like to take this moment to acknowledge you for all of your achievements and accomplishments. You know, it's clearly fantastic what you've been doing and what you continue to do. So can you please tell us more about the current path that you're on? Thank you so much, Hannah. I really appreciate your words and uh, the, your your question. Um, you know, uh, the path I am on right now is exactly where I am meant to be. Um, everything I'm doing um, in my personal life and my work life is contributing um, to my own mental health and contributing to society through the way I can give best at this point in time. Um, you know, five years ago, I was very active as an athlete. I, I was younger, so my energy and my capacity was very different then. And through life, we go through different phases of what we can do, what we can't do. And I think that is something that needs to be normalized more um, as we, you know, um, speak um, in media and things like that. It's not always about hustling. It's not always about, you know, focusing on future goals. It's not always about uh, creating something new for the next five years. You know, there are people who are just capable. They have that amazing ability within themselves. And you have others who are very much content where, where they are right now. I am personally very content right now with my, you know, webinars. Uh, I give talks to organizations. Um, I have, uh, uh, you know, uh, my, my little um, Instagram account where I also like do collaborations and, uh, you know, I've I published a chapter in a book uh, last year as well that was released um, at the Emirates Literature, Literature Festival, and that was uh, called the Possibilities Project. So, um, you know, there is uh, many little things that I do that all add up and they all create um, harmony in my life. And I like that harmony. I love that harmony. So if you are feeling harmony in your life, it means that you're happy and you're content with where you are right now. If there is, uh, you know, um, you know, sometimes in life we feel uh, unhappy about something or dissatisfied with something, that's we can take. That's when we can take action towards changing what is causing us pain or discomfort. And uh, being content does not mean you are living in your comfort zone. It could it could just mean that you are you know grateful for what you have while you're working on what you want quietly, uh, uh, gently, um, in a way that's more flowy. So that's that's where I am right now with my path. And uh, I hope, you know, anybody who's listening that who might feel pressured, you know, like I might seem like a high achiever, 
but I'm also someone who knows how to chill. So I like to achieve, but I also like to chill. So um, having that balance is always important for me. Brilliant. I've got you down as the person who chills and who is very harmonious yes (laughs) (laughs) you know I haven't heard that term in a while you know um it's nice it's a nice word it kind of resonates right Mm. harmony is is a place to be Mm -hmm, um so I have one one final question for you which I ask everyone on the podcast and it's this what would be the one single advice that you would give to the 16 year old Amna if it were your last day um that's a very big question um I would tell her, you know, don't worry too much. Just live life. Do what feels right for you. Um, Stop listening to what others are saying. Um, You know, you matter. You're doing enough. You are good enough. Uh, You are, you know, adding light to this world as everybody else is adding their own light to this world. We're creating beautiful colors uh, with our personalities, individuality, our ideas. Um, It's just... uh, you know, you will be fine. You will be okay. Even if you're not feeling that right now, you are okay and you will be fine. That's what I would tell her. <laughs> yes, you will be fine. What a great message. Thank you so much, Amna. I really didn't want this to end, but um, it's been a pleasure having you on. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Hannah, for the opportunity. And I hope this um, uh, you know, podcast will um, inspire someone in their own life in whatever way that they need to be inspired. If you want to learn more about Amna Al Haddad, then visit her webpage at www.amnaalhaddad.com. If you like what you hear, then remember to share, like and subscribe. This is an independently sponsored podcast and your opinion matters to us. So head over to www.talkingrespect.com and leave a feedback. We want to hear what you think and your views matter to us. Thank you again for listening. This is Talking Respect.